Good evening and welcome to episode five of My Fancy Zamboni. We've had a fair few grumbling, so apologies that it's been a week. This is the third attempt at recording uh, the podcast. So, um, as you'll imagine, we've, had, we've, got a, we've got a fair bit to talk about this evening. Um, we had the surprise on Monday because we were expecting just three of us, myself, uh, Gref, which will say good evening to you. Good evening. And then Andy. Now, unfortunately, Andy's not well, so he's uh, on the sidelines. However... Who was the surprise on the Monday? He's had a bit of sleep now, so he's recovered from the jet lag. But uh, great to have you back on the podcast, Joe. Thank you very much. Good evening. Yeah, 11 and a half hours sleep really did the trick last night. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, we've got a heck of a lot uh, to talk about. And that's just the games that's played and to play. There's a few changes left, right and centre to also go through. So, without further ado, gents, let's just go through the scorelines from the 22nd. Um, so, Nottingham lost to the Glasgow clan 5-2. Fife defeated the Belfast Giants 4-2. Uh, Guildford beat MK Lightning 8-2. Cardiff beat the Coventry Blaze 5-1. And the Sheffield Steelers beat the Manchester Storm 2-1. The day after, uh, Sheffield was on the reverse of that, losing 6-2 to the Cardiff Devils. Dundee was on, on the losing side, losing to Manchester 2-1. Coventry... Got a win that weekend by beating Milton Keynes 5-2. Guildford at home defeated the Glasgow clan 2-0. And Belfast at home lost to the Five Flyers 4-2. So midweek, two games. Uh, Nottingham for uh, beating Cardiff 4-3, which was a live uh, free sport game. And the Steelers 3 uh, beating the Dundee Stars 3-2 uh, on penalty shootouts. Both of them games had a, a beautiful... A minute of pause for young Scarlett, who sadly died on Monday of last week. And I speak for all of us on My Fancy Zamboni that our thoughts and prayers are with Chris and Claire, her parents and her close friends. A girl who the three of us got to know through our work with the All-Stars Hockey and um, a, a, a young girl who was poorly but had the smile like a light in the arena. So, you know, our thoughts um, and prayers are with them. So moving to last weekend, the 28th, Belfast got a win against Dundee 2-1. On Saturday 29th, Coventry beat Glasgow 2-1. Manchester beat Milton Keynes 4-1. Dundee beat Belfast 5-3. Guildford lost to Cardiff 5-2. The Steelers beat the Panthers 3-2. And then on Sunday the 30th, Milton Keynes got a win against Dundee. Dundee's third game in three nights. Uh, fourth game in five nights. Uh, but winning in overtime. Coventry beat the Sheffield Steelers 5-2. Guildford lost to the Panthers 3-2. Cardiff beat um, the Glasgow clan 8-1 and the Five Flyers the day before their 80th birthday beat the Manchester Storm 7-2 <clears throat> lots of games lots of goals guys what were your highlights from them let's start with Joe um, I think the key one for me it sounds a little bit strange to say at first is, is Dundee um, I know they played four games and uh and lost three of them, but I mean, in fairness, I mean, he still took a fair few points from them, but obviously, um, Wednesday, heading down to Sheffield, a 3-2 loss in a shootout, it looked for a fair while in the game that Omar Pasha was going to get his first win uh, against the Steelers as a coach, um, thankfully, as Steelers fans, he didn't, but um, I'm sure that's going to happen, or oh, it's got as good a chance as any happening this season, uh, they look to have got a very strong team, but obviously, the 3-2 win in, uh, loss in the shootout to the Steelers, on the Wednesday, then the Friday they travel over to Belfast, two-one loss again, but again keeping it nice and close. Saturday travelling back to Dundee and getting the win at home with a five-three scoreline, and then Sunday 
Um, as you say, the fourth game in five nights, um, travelling down to Milton Keynes and taking them to overtime as well, losing 3-2. I think despite the three losses there, you know, taking four points from those four games really is huge to say they've played um, that amount of games in that time and covering that distance as well. No, I definitely agree. It was something that me, uh, Gref and Andy mentioned in the last podcast that uh, this was a bit of a uh, gruelling um, schedule. Uh, I'm talking of the players that we mentioned. They were the standouts in Sheffield on the Wednesday night when they uh, took Steelers. They went 2-0. And in fairness, probably should have won the game. They had about six, seven breakouts. Just couldn't finish the game off. However, like you say, four points in four games sounds a bit mediocre, but if you look at their schedule, look at the travelling, they did fantastic. So fair play to Dundee. Fair play on that. He's getting a team that's playing well, getting on a good form, and a great result at home against the Belfast Giants. Yeah. Griff, what was your highlights? I'd say my highlights would have been the Panthers v Devils game. That was on free sport. It was fast... Fast flowing, a lot of big hits. There was a fight, and it was a game-winning goal with like 40 seconds left on the clock. What more could you ask for in a game of hockey, especially if new fans were watching it? No, I I would call the hearts. I don't know if you've called the hearts, Joe, that game, but there was a lot of top-end playing. As we speak so far this season, probably the best hockey. Um, at the top end that the league is going to show so far this year. That may change, obviously, going down the stretch, but a great game to have on Freeview uh, TV. Great game, those being there. Um, and I won't go lie. It was good to see, and bear me Cardiff fans, it was good to see Cardiff lose. <laughs> because as much as Cardiff fans will want to just destroy the league and just coast to the 3 P, it's nice that other teams can actually take some off them and just keep that competitive level that we all want going down the stretch yeah I've got to admit I said the same thing to Jess um, while we were away we were kind of following it on Twitter um, you know obviously the Steelers game was on at the same time but you know I was saying and it's words that I never thought I'd say as a Panthers, uh, as a Steelers fan but you know I was saying I hope that the uh, I hope that the Panthers get the win and it, it, you know, it wasn't anything against Cardiff but you, you've watched some, other, some of the other results I mean Belfast have lost games you know, Nottingham have lost games, obviously Steelers have lost games, and then you look at the Devils and, do you know when your your team's in a little bit of hardship at the minute, obviously there's a lot of controversy going on, seeing the Cardiff destroy teams like 8-1, 13-1, you know, it's not the best thing to see, and and it really did look like for a minute that Cardiff could just coast the league, so I, I yeah, I was saying at that point, I hope Nottingham win it, and it wasn't anything against Cardiff, it was just to keep the league tight and obviously to keep the rest of the teams in it. Uh, and Gref, I think this one's been very much advantage Cardiff, but I think as the Panthers game, and don't forget, Cardiff, as much as other teams had other games, Cardiff had a, a, a little bit of a step on in not their pre-season preparation in some competitive hockey against decent teams in, with their CHL group games, and they did exceptionally well in them games. It's good to have the league start bringing, you know, and not just have two but three teams, four teams, when other teams get the results and get into the mix, it will really make the season and the product itself a lot better. That's what definitely, yeah. It would be great to see more than, like, the big, instead of the big four, as it's called in the Elite League, with Belfast, Nottingham, Sheffield and Cardiff, it would be great to see someone else jump up the league, like last year with us, Manchester. We brought that, getting into second place. It's brilliant. Um, 
No, you're right. I mean, Urkel this year, it could be a Guildford. Um, it could even be a Fife. Um, and they were good. they're my highlight. Um, they're, they're great results um, against the uh, the Belfast Giants and, obviously, the, the Manchester Storm. Um, but we, we constantly talk about, like you've just mentioned, Belfast, Cardiff, Sheffield, Nottingham, Manchester last year. Would it be good to have one of the Scottish teams, regardless of who, but would it be good to have one of the Scottish teams in that mix? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, in fairness, I, I've already said it this, this time already, and it probably shows in my highlight, but... I, I kind of like to see Dundee do it. This, uh, you know, get up there this year. I think they can. I think they've got the team. Um, I think they've <clears throat> they've got a lot to prove from last year, um, and I certainly think that they've got the squad to do it. And as much as we joke about Omar Pasha, maybe nice to see him actually do something this season. As bad as that sounds, but it may be nice to see him convert what he's got and uh, and get get up there in the league. Well, I'll be honest. I've I've seen Dundee play. Greff, I don't know if you've seen Dundee yet, but. The players that we've mentioned are already doing the business for them and other players are chipping in. They're looking like they're going to have a squad that's probably going to outdo what many people have expected. Oh, yeah, that is something that I think everyone will notice come three or four months down the line. I watched the highlights of Storm v Dundee in Dundee and Dundee were just pretty... They were all over us. Thankfully, we won in penalties, in penalties, but take us all the way after that really long trip. It was, they're going to be up there for sure. They definitely are. So, a lot of goals, a lot of games. Let's let's talk about uh, a few changes that we've seen in the um, over the past two weeks, and we'll, we'll, we'll order them in terms of the time that we'll spend, and that will make sense very shortly. Um, Joe, you know, we've had a few changes um, in, in Belfast, not Belfast, my apologies, in Nottingham, Coventry and Guildford. Do you want to just go through some of them? Yeah, of course. So, obviously, we saw Coventry um, bring in a new goalie. Um, they obviously had to quickly paper over the cracks when they lost Mika Vietman. Um They brought in Miroslav Kupriva. Um and yeah, I mean, looking at his stats, he's you know he's played a lot of his time in the in the Czech league, dabbled in the KHL a little bit, um, dabbled in the NHL a little, dabbled in the AHL. So you know he's got some good stats, a uh, good pedigree. Um, we said from the start that Beatman was going to be a big, big um, part of the Coventry team this year. In fairness, they're already proven his wrong to a certain extent. We all kind of said they had a bit of an underwhelming squad, um, and they are proven his wrong, but. You know, Vietman was always going to be a big part of their team, and losing him is a big loss. So to be able to fill the gaps with a guy who's played games for you know the Houston Arrows, Minnesota Wild, this, this as I say, dabbled in the KHL, it is certainly a big thing to be able to bring in. And he obviously, Griff, he obviously started his uh, his season with Coventry with two wins, one against the Glasgow Clan and uh, a convincing win against the Sheffield Steelers. Um, Great start for him, and you know, watching the game against against the Steelers, making many saves and really, you know, stepping up to the plate, raising, making Coventry just look a bigger team and a better team already. He is, yeah. He's he's even not even afraid to come out of his net to challenge players. You saw it in your game. I thought yep. that was a yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, he's even getting, he got two mana matches in his first two games. It shows how well he's actually doing, how well it'll do for Coventry. Very much so. He's landed on his feet and uh, he's helping Coventry to continue to prove us wrong. And you know what, that is good to see. So, um, Joe, carry on. So, yeah, so from Coventry, we go over to Nottingham. Um, they have signed Tyler Van Cleef. Um, a, uh, a British Canadian, um, you know, he's, he's not necessarily got the biggest CV. He's not got a lot of teams on there. He's not been playing for maybe as long as uh, as others have. But he's a 26 year old kid. Um, you know, he's proven himself to be a, to be something so far. He's only got one point from his his two games so far, um, but from what I've been told, you know, he's he's done very well uh, in the games. Maybe not producing points, but but proving himself to maybe be a bit of a dangerous player as the season goes on. Um, you know, on top of that, I mean, his, his stats, NCAA 2, he's played 102 games in there. Um, he's played 18 games in the ECHL, so as I say, very um, youthful in terms of his CV at the moment. So quite an unexpected player to bring in, but often those kind of players that Nottingham often, you know, have brought in in the past and, and have proved themselves to be the, the, the thorn in the side that maybe don't score all the goals, but maybe come in at that fourth, fifth minute in overtime and well, obviously you know, fourth, four, four and a half minutes into overtime and pop the one in on the back door. It, it's that kind of goal that you know that kind of player can often bring because they're that unexpected player. Uh, and I think he looks like he could be one of those guys, the guys that is a bit of a pain in the backside for a lot of the teams. Not very much so. And I think, Gareth, just bringing you in, I think one of the, the characteristics of the signing is it's very much keeping in how Shaman is wants his team, a lot of pace, bit of height, just he just he's in a, just in addition to what he already has. He's been able to gratefully replace the injury player with someone of of similar ilk. Yeah, that is for certain. He he he's tall. He's pretty quick. Watching him play against Star, play against against Devils, he's he's going to be one of those players where during like the third period, for example, it'll be getting a lot of ice time because he'd be fresh and be coming at your defence pretty fast. He would just making every team wish he wasn't on the ice. No, and then that's the type of player that he'll want and it, it, you know, it maintains the full line play that the Panthers are doing and you know he's on a try at the moment, but as we've seen with Glasgow and their uh, signing that was a try out can lead to a full-time contract for the season. So, who knows? And good luck to Van Cleef. Um, Joe, we've got one more signing um, without the big bulk that we'll talk about shortly, but uh, from the uh, the Midlands to the South. Yeah, so obviously, uh, maybe, you know, on the, on the flip side of things, you see the Guildford Flames losing out on Kevin Phillips. He's obviously left there. I believe he made a request to leave and he's, he's gone to to play for the Hull Pirates. Seems a little bit of a strange move. Um, maybe a step down. There may be some backing to the rumours that the uh, the Hull Pirates will be moving up to the Elite League next year, but obviously that's just speculation at the moment. It certainly goes to suggest why he'd want to step down. Um, but, yeah, it struck me as a little bit of a weird one when I saw it. No, that's the line I'm, I'm thinking when I saw the signing. It's preparation. Uh, for the a return to the Elite League for the whole franchise and as it is now the Pirates uh, and Graf you know the, for an NIHL team and, and no respect to all the teams in the uh, the NIHL they're building their their club and the team very much 
in the Ilkham and the Elite League side. They brought in, surprisingly, as a commercial manager, Andre Payet. When I say surprisingly, you wouldn't have thought that would be his gig. However, you speak to people in Hull and he's doing a, a fantastic job. He's actually, for the last four years, he's got the most sponsors on board. He's doing something and it's bringing that small buzz back to hockey in Humberside. And do you think this is a uh, another stepping stone of building the team ready for the Elite League? I think it is, yeah. It's with the players they've already got there, and I've seen, like, for example, Lee Bonner plays for Storm. He's going to be quick. He's going to be one of those players. He won't get as much ice time as the imports, but when he comes on, he'll be battling hard. It's going to be a great season for Hope. <laughs> and Joe, is it ideal that we go back to 12 teams in the Elite League? It does the Elite League benefit being on an even number than 11 or any other number? Yeah, I think it does as a whole. Um, it makes logistics a lot easier. Um, you know, it, Challenge Cup groups, you don't end up having to faff about to try and get one on, you know, two on four and one on three. So from that side of things, it helps. But I just, I, I don't know, I just, I, I feel like, obviously we've lost Edinburgh, it's a great shame I mean, no disrespect to Edinburgh, but it's been great so far this season to literally be sat here not knowing who's going to be top and who's going to be bottom. Maybe wouldn't have been the case last year when Edinburgh were there because you always kind of expected Edinburgh to finish in that bottom bracket. But it's never nice to see you lose a team. And it was it was a step back for the league dropping from 12 to 11. So I, I think bringing in another team, uh, and also in fairness for me, bringing back a team like Hull who have already been there once, maybe still have the fan base that are used to that elite league. Um, you know the atmosphere and the numbers they've obviously got the rink big enough as well I know there's been things said like obviously when Telford were in their stride and, and obviously were siding half the players from the Steelers like Phil Hill um, you know it was said at one point why aren't they coming into the Elite League their problem was the arena um, for a start nowhere near big enough to hold an Elite League crowd uh, obviously we know Hull have got that so as a whole, I think, in, in terms of rounding up the numbers and also in bringing in a team like Hull as well, I think it's a step forward for the league. I'd go with 12. I think that'd be a good number. And like I say, if you have to go back down to the conferences, um, you know, the, 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 it's easy to do um, if you go down that line again. I'm not sure. I must be honest, I prefer this year's method of you all play each other the same number of times, but we'll see. I know it's a lot of talk, a lot of conjecture. Um, but I think the whole question will be raised a number of times. Kind of before the official announced, Milton Keynes and Guildford was always rumoured of they could be the ones to step up. Yeah. Could they be the ones to make the move? And obviously they both did. So I think Hull will be in that same bracket. And I think that'll be something that we'll mention a few times going forward with the podcast. So we've got the changes of the signings and all that done. We've got a couple more signings, but in a bit of a big block of changes. Everyone says that Sheffield is the club that likes to dominate everything. Well, it's fair to say, guys, that they have done the news reels for the past week and a half. Um, to go chronological, they obviously got rid of the Rupert brothers. They brought in uh, Ryan Martindale, not Martin and Ryan Early. Um, then Monday, it was all announced that um, Paul Thompson was to leave the club, not just as head coach, but as general manager. And then today we've had announcement that Martin Neal has left due to family reasons back home, and I hope all that is fine, nothing serious. But to change the tide, 
we then have the signing of Jonas Westerling. So it's all a big block of change. Um, we'll go over the players' uh, side of things and we'll bring uh, Gref into this. My deal looked like a good player and we did the podcast, the first attempt at the podcast that we were just announcing he'd signed. Um, and he looked at, had a great start in his, his Steelers career the weekend. Bit of a shame that he's had to go home and obviously, you know, family things come first, but he, he was the type of player that the Steelers could have used to really build on and try and turn the season round. He would be, yeah. He, I mean, at his first game, he scored a goal. And that was that, what more can you ask for in a player that sort of stepped off a play. I mean, look at Brendan Brooks when he did it. Unfortunately, it's against us. No, very much so. And uh, uh, and Joe, I mean, I appreciate you may have only just seen the highlights of him um, whilst obviously you were away. But again, he was the type of guy that you could actually say, you know, he could play with that player, he could play with that player. And you could actually see him being with different line combinations to re-energise some of the lines which had a lot of effort, a lot of energy, you could see. Just needed that little bit of spark, something different to get him going. Yeah, I mean, he certainly, I mean, even before he came in and played a game, um, looking at his looking at his stats, looking at his CV, I mean, he played over 200 games in the AHL. I mean, you don't get to that point without having something about you as a player. Um, obviously, we all had to have that belief. We was we were struggling in scoring. It was something that Tom had obviously highlighted in interviews in the lead up. That obviously he knew that we needed to bring in somebody that could show us how to score. Um, so we all kind of expected this guy to be a big scorer. Uh, and obviously we bring him in. Big game, first game. The the rivalry, Nottingham versus Sheffield, and he goes and bangs in an albeit greasy goal, but a goal's a goal. And when you've had a 27-hour travel day and then you go and score a goal on the day that you touch down in the country. It isn't too bad. Um, he's going to be a big miss now in Sheffield. I think we are going to miss him. I've got all the confidence in the team. Obviously, as you say, Brooks is also a good proven scorer and I think he can pick a lot of the slack up. Um, and Westerling can help in that as well. Maybe more maybe more in the assist than the scoring. But, um, you know, obviously, as you say, it's never nice to see a player go for personal reasons. I have to admit, when the rumours were going around about him leaving, I did kind of wonder, is it because of everything that's gone on in Sheffield? Obviously, you, you come into your first weekend, you have a very mixed emotion kind of kind of weekend. You see the fans on the high, you see the fans on the low, you see the reaction and then bang because of the pressure from the fan base. Amongst other things, obviously, that's when you know your coach leaves as well. It is, it is a big thing to happen. So I kind of expected it to be about that. Obviously, the way that it's gone out on social media is that, obviously, it's personal reasons. He's gone back to be with his family in Canada. Uh, and obviously, for everybody here from the podcast, you know, everybody wishes him well. And obviously, we hope that it's not as bad as, obviously, family reasons and personal reasons can be. So obviously, you know, fingers crossed for him and we hope that all's well there. No, fully agreed. And Graf, we've mentioned Jonas uh, Westerling, who uh, signed for the Steelers last year. Did all right, if we're honest, you know, played well. A um, lot of energy. Um, not as many goals um, that a lot of people are hoping that we, our new signings would be. But is he the energy guy? We said Mindell had that. I have to be honest with you, I think Westing will have more. So is that the type of guy that can really energise the lines, the team, and just that freshness? Just to, you know, we, a lot of our fans were like, we don't, we don't want to rely on the Swedes. Well, we brought the Swedes back, but one of the, us players who was very quick good skater could that give that team just that nucleus of energy to change things it could yeah he is very quick from what I remember last season he was a nightmare to defend against from what it looked like especially when he was in our rink 
I think he played very well in like, the small rinks. And then even better when he was like in your rink, the arena. He's going to be the energetic little guy <laughs> all the way through the all the way through the game. I mean, he put up twenty assists as well last season. That's definitely helped you guys. Yeah, help again this season. No, I agree with you. I thought his his best games were um, in the smaller rings. For honest, I thought you know he played like a super trooper. Um, but Joe. Um, Again, our fans are wanting these, you know, 30, 40 goal scorers. We'll throw the other reference in, who cares? Um, and you're obviously not that, which you saw that last year, but could it be that, again, it's that difference maker, just something fresh to just help the team change? Because sometimes just a, a different approach could lead to, you know, Eberle going from a 3 4 to a 25 30, 35 goal scoring. Who, you know, who knows? And I hope that's the case. Could that play a bit Westerling? Yeah, I think so. I mean, out of the obviously we we had our big shift around at the start of the season. Out of the full um, list of players that we got rid of, I, I honestly was saying at the start of that there was only one player that I would have kept, and Westerling was that one. Um, granted, yeah, he's not going to bring us forty goals. He's not going to bring us twenty goals. Um, but at the end of the day, you need the pass to make the goal. Um, I mean, you look back at, particularly Steelers fans, you look at our past, particularly on the Swedish line. I mean, we had Frederick Vestberg, we've had Marcus Nilsson, and then we get you know, we get um, Jonas Westerling. And all three of them were players that were never going to bring you goals. I mean, I think Frederick Vestberg could have missed an open net. Um, but he was a guy that I'd have signed in a heartbeat. Uh, do you know, they, they are energetic guys. They bring a lot to the team. Great on the PK and on the on the defence in terms of the forechecking and the backchecking, but also, you know, as you say, if somebody can feed Jordan Owens, if somebody can feed Evan McGrath, they're going to turn that round, and, and that's the big thing. And it's also important, it's another body. At yeah. a time when the, when the team is very much on the back foot, you know, if it's a boxing fight, they're on the, they're on the ropes, they just need a body, and a body that's going to give them some energy. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of mixed reactions to it at the moment. Um, you know, there, there are people saying it's good, it's a new body. Um, I've seen some people say it's a fan favourite, which I think may be a little bit of a push. But um, you know, nonetheless, I say I'm happy with it. I have seen other people saying we need goal scorers. We've got too many third line players. Um, I'm not quite sure I agree on that. But at the end of the day, we'll see at the end of the season to bring in another Abba reference. As we all know, the winner takes it all. So right now, you know, if at the end of the season he's walking out there with an elite league title or a Challenge Cup title, don't think he's really going to care, and I don't think we are either. No, I don't think anybody is, but I think in terms of body numbers, I think we should be grateful that he's answered the SOS. Um, so let's have the happy stuff out of the way because I think the next bit's going to be a little bit on the edgy side. Let's the elephant in the room, Paul Thompson. Um, so a lot of people. We're not happy. Let's be fair. And we'll give this the even coverage, regardless of what myself, and I'll put my, my Sheffield hat on as a Sheffield fan, regardless of what Joe thinks, and regardless of what Greff thinks as a neutral. The Tomo out people had their say. They all believed the performances were bad. They believed the style of play were bad. And it was not just this season, but three years. We'd be held onto the past a bit. The other side of the coin was more, yeah. It's a new team, it's a fresh team, and in fairness, yeah, 16 new players, but four of them, he didn't want to replace. It was forced upon him. He had to have a bit more time. The results weren't great. I mean, if I'm honest, we all we all mentioned at certain points, 
I said three times already this season he had 20 minutes to save his job. And when you're thinking that way, it's fair to say, as much as regardless of what side of the coin you're on, if you're starting to think that way, he's got 20 minutes to save his job, it probably is the right move. Yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> it's never looking well, is it? And I mean, I don't think there was any doubt in any of our minds that Tomo wasn't going to be here at the end of the season. Uh, I've heard a few people say it, and the thing is, the Steelers fans will start thinking with the feet and start voting with the feet. And once we're starting looking at Panthers games that were selling out a 9,000 arena and suddenly we've got 4,500 because so many people are just thinking, I don't want to turn up. Whether or not be that right or wrong, you know, decisions have got to be made. And and I've said this, uh, you know, I was very much feeding, keeping Tomo. I, I think he's been a good coach. I've heard people say he's done nothing over the four, over the three and a bit years. I mean, he's won as a league, he's won as a playoff, and we've finished in the top three or three years. Yes, there's been a trend we finished first and second and third, but do we really think that it was going to finish off as fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh? It, it, it just it is what it is. Um, but I do think with everything that was going on. I think it may be a good move. Obviously, it wasn't Sheffield that made the move, but I do think for the club, it is probably the right step at this point. I mean, the, the atmosphere in the games um, was never good, even before we went away, and obviously it got worse after in the games where we weren't there. Um, you know, it it was just everything was going down, and it was you know when you when you're walking into an arena of fans booing the coach, or when you finish a period and you're a goal down and the fans are booing, it's not just the coach that it's going to affect, and I think. Then when we're looking at goal scorers and saying, why aren't you scoring? Maybe it's because they can't hit the net. Maybe it's because they've not got the skill or the shot. Maybe it's because they've got an arena full of their own fans booing at them. Granted, it may not be aimed at them, but I just, you know, that's the big thing I disagreed with. I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to, you know, go on a 10-minute rant about it, but... No, we'll save that for that's one of the programme, mate. Yeah. Um, But it's it's a valid point. You know, the atmosphere has been been something that I've not witnessed in in all the years I've watched um, the Steelers... But I'll ask Griff a question. I know you've watched some of the interviews, uh, Tomo's interviews, uh, and we'll ignore everyone's favourite buzzword, throwing them under the bus, because I think that's just a joke. I'll be bluntly honest with you that one. I don't agree with that in its entirety. Everyone um, asked for the Ruperts to be gone. Everybody that was watching them said they're not doing what they should be doing. They were brought in to score goals. They're Greth's favourite player, so let's make sure that they're doing well. But... You know, every everybody was saying, "Oh, they're not doing what they should be doing. We should get rid of them." And then we get rid of them, and it's, "Oh, you've thrown them under the bus." Like, you just think, "Well, what? There's no winning. There's no, absolutely there, no winning." There isn't at all. But I, I get, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, and I think there's a bit of mileage in, in that kind of line of conversation. But the question I want to ask, Jeff, <laughs> you looked at the interviews, and and, and Tom, I'm not like he looked, he looked like he was getting worse. In terms of his expressions, his his demeanour, and for the matter, he just looked like he looked like he was actually was a man becoming a bit ill. You know, it was getting on top of him. It was beginning to because it's easy to hide sometimes, but it looked like he got too much where he couldn't hide it. And I think some of his reactions, some of his answers, and definitely his facial mannerisms was was a man that was under the pressure and was beginning to see that he couldn't do. In in his case, could do the job no more. It did, yeah. It's- you look at it from the start of the season, he, he had like a happy face on him. He was looking forward to the season. And then like oh before he got before he, he the last one, the last interview we had, you see him from the start to then and you could see it was just drained. It looked like 
it just been like a, a 16 hour shift with no sleep. It was severely drained. And unfortunately, these things happen. But especially with everything else that was going on in the, the social media, that's definitely not going to sit well with him either. Because that's going to possibly keep him up at night as well, as well as his team's not performing as, as well as they should. I mean, Joe, I mean, yes, sport is a results based industry. You can't move away from that. But to put that aside for a moment, a number of the comments, and I know that there's people on social media who may listen to this and go, where are these comments, where are these comments? And they're on Steel Talk. They have been on Twitter. Funnily enough, they're not on Twitter now. You know, the beauty of the delete button, I think, is uh, coming into play. I'll be honest with you, that's a bit where I will, I will put my colours to the mask. I'm the person that, if you want to share your opinion, share it. You will fight for the right to have that opinion. But there seems to be, and I think that's kind of start of the creation of the atmosphere that you have in the arena, and it is what the fans can control, that people don't like people going, right, this is my opinion, but I want to debate your opinion because I think you're wrong. And it's, oh, no, you can't do that. And I think that's where it's kind of become this us and them, um, this atmosphere of very much an us and them. And I, and I definitely, I mean, I, I know I have got into the, the debate recently, but it, it has seemed that both camps are tearing uh, lumps out of each other. And it has, it's starting to become a bit of a bit of an issue where the fans, the fan base could really split and the damage done in that split could be quite, you know, time consuming in its repair. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were times where I was um, <clears throat> debating with people over social media um, about certain things. I mean, I, I never really went all out on Tomo Stay or Tomo Go. I was very much feet in the Tomo Stay group. I, I thought that getting rid of your coach after three, four weeks of the season is just ludicrous. Um, we won more than 50% of his league games and yet we're calling for the coach to go. I just think it's silly. But, do you know, it, it, it's. I never really went on social media and I'm putting all out Tomo should stay. But when I saw certain comments, there were certain, you know, I'd just go back and just kind of almost play the devil's advocate and say, yeah, you're saying this, but what about this? And there were times where I was feeling like I was arguing against Nottingham fans over the Veekman Armstrong incident again. They, they were like, they were Steelers fans. I was arguing with my own fans about something to do with the club. And it was just, it, it yeah, it, it just very much split the fan base. And it, it, certainly not, it certainly showed in the atmosphere. It's certainly not something that we want as a group. And as a team, um, I mean, hopefully now we can just we can just hit the reset button and and come back together to support the team as they are. Particularly at the moment, at the moment, obviously with no coach, uh, we obviously we've got Matheson stepping in as an interim coach, but we've got no solid set in stone head coach at the moment. This weekend, more than anything, is when the Steelers need to get behind the team and hopefully everything that's gone on this week can just help them hit the reset button and go back to how it was to support the team again. I mean, I'll bring Griffin on this one question. A number of the, we'll jokingly say, in using the terminology, the resistance, um, as much as it was meant to be just a Facebook conversation that ended up on Twitter with logos and tweets, the job lot, a Facebook conversation, they're one thing that they've said, and some of them we know that they hit this, this point, is that the leadership of the club could have helped. In particular, the PR man, Dave Sims. Instead of him having a go at fans, instead of, and he, he said fans, never specified, talked collective. Could, could I'll ask you as the, as the outside looking in, would it have made or helped 
the healing of the divide. Had he come out and said and made the and made a stance of correct, fine. These are these camps. These are their camps. But we're here for the badge. We're here for the club name, the club colours. Would that have helped more? Or given how strong certain camps have been and against Dave Sims and been personal against Dave Sims, and that's their right. You know, disputing that point. But was he? You know, what was the right approach? Was it bring the camps together or fight fire with fire? I think even if you were going to try and bring both camps together and say, right, you're fighting for the Steelers' badge, that's who you should be there for. Win or lose, you should be there for your team. But with some people that are in both both sides of the camps, that was like pretty much never going to work. So it's just fought fire with fire. If you want to send silly tweets... I'll respond back to you and defend that person. I mean, it's, I, I'm all for defending your, your, work, your work buddies, your colleagues, your teammates, which he was doing. But if you like, if they're, they're going to be silly about it, maybe not do it too much on social media, but at least do one or two tweets at least, if it's going to really get to you, which... You can see it has done with Dave Sims. I, I mean, Joe, it, be, it has. It's, it's clear as daylight that it's it's got to David. Whether it's because it's his best mate, whether it's because of some people, in particular, one Nottingham fan likes to mention this a fair bit that he helped get Paul Thompson to the job and get and removing Joe Adams. Um, one argument I've, I've seen, and I must admit, I lean towards, is you've seen a lot of the well, we have an opinion and we need to say it. It's our right, and now everyone should stop and it's the same people who had that preventing the other side of the coin having their say but now they're saying you know, that's it we've had it everyone's spoken now let's all get together and on the flip side of the coin they're saying well actually no you've been you yourself we've just kind of shown the inaccuracies on the beliefs of whatever side of the coin you are, you are on it goes back to the question and I, I just could it be could it be a case of it needs to get worse for it to get better as that sounds. I think in this instance, in fairness, I can't really see how it can get any worse than it is at the moment in terms of um, social media. Um, general PR for the club, I mean, I think the fans have got to be thinking at this point that every single tweet that they send out slating ownership, management, coaching, it's only, not, it's only looking bad because they're the same people that are then tweeting saying, oh, I hope we sign this good player. Oh, I hope we sign this good coach. Yeah, and I'm sure that good player or that good coach is going to come when they're seeing everything that you're saying the uh, saying about your own club. You know, we've got to start thinking about that. But I think it may have been a case if it had to get better to get worse. And and that's... Other way around, sorry. Had to get worse to get better. Um, but I do. Th- I think that's kind of what I mean when I say I think it may be a good thing now for the club that Tomo has gone. Never wanted it. Um, you know, and in fairness, you know, my, my, my main thing that I'd say is you know, you've got to hope that the guy's okay. I mean, leaving a club, yeah. no matter what position you're in, for personal reasons because of what's gone on is never right. And I'm sure that you guys will agree that, you know, we've got, you've got to wish that the guy's all right and you've got to give him your best and thank him for what he's done. But obviously, particularly for me and you, Dave, he's, you know, he's brought a couple of trophies to Sheffield. Uh, he's brought some no, fantastic I, I, players. I agree on the health front and, you know, health comes first, as I mentioned on But like I said, um, a league title, a playoff title, one of our our greatest victory in the CHL, a bronze medal in the Continental Cup, 
that only the Panthers and the London Knights have done better in terms of in that competition over the years. Um, he's see, we're seeing the apprentices come in. Um, we've seen players, young players, that no one will have known unless you really studied the junior game. And I know there's some fans that do. But brought them along, got them training with the pros, got them being and living like a pro to move, make that next step. Um, and working with the junior teams to get the best players and moving them on. And it's, you know, the classic example is Liam Kirk. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great feather in the cap of the Sheffield Ice Hockey Academy. Then working with the Steelers to give him more training with better players. We're talking AHL-level players, what, what William had been training with, and, and proving himself against AHL-level players. And some of the comments in Peterborough and Ontario, they're saying, you know, you could tell he's played against a higher level. You see all these things. You know, Kieran Brown, uh, John Griffiths is the next one, and whoever comes next, if we keep this structure. And I think that's the thing for me that is his legacy, it's the structure that the club now has. You have a strength and conditioning coach. Now, you know, it doesn't matter if it was the Panthers who were the first ones to bring certain things in. And they may, have, they may have brought in four lines because of the CHL. And Sheffield may have brought in the strength and conditioning coach and, and, a, and a proper a proper assistant coach. I know Rick Strachan was there, but I think that was more... He, he, did, he did X, Y, Z instead of his actual full-on role. But he's played his part in bringing the game up in the country. Not going to play their part, and Cardiff are now playing their part. So you know, and Belfast are doing the same thing. But Thompson's played his role. I don't agree with people saying that his um, methods are outdated. Um, that's, you know, that's my personal opinion. You know, everyone changes, everyone adapts, and I think you know we should be thankful. And you know, we all. Mo- <laughs> I'm asking these questions of if we can move on, and I think the end thing we should do. But I think for the time being, Tomo has uh, is right as a as a Steelers legend, as a player as well, first year, and that will refer to as well. He played for the season his first year, part of the Steelers history, and now he's had to leave, and not because he's done everything and can leave on his own accord. He has a physical accord, but because of personal reasons. And that, I think, will, that will hurt him more. But he's certainly a person that's done a heck of a lot for the series. And I think some folk on social media won't recognise that, sadly. But we move on, and Matheson's now the new person to, in the interim, take the Steelers forward. Um, I know me and Joe have had this subject for bits of graph. You saw Matheson, the player, and one of the things I remember you saying at the playoffs was how much of an intelligent player were. Do you think he can transfer that as a player coach? If he can, that's going to be great for you guys. Even if he doesn't get the, the actual role as being head coach, that's going to be so brilliant because he's going to know what to do on the ice at that time. Because he, he would have done it himself as a player without being the coach. I, I actually... As, even though I'm a star fan, I actually do look forward to the rest part of the season for you guys, just because you've had a really slow start. Not greatest, as what you'd want it to be, but at least this has happened at the start of the season and not like halfway through or towards the end. Because mm. at least you can still catch up. You can still fight for that, for the first place to get to win the trophy. No, definitely much so. Uh, and Joe, 
apparently they've already received a number of CVs. Apparently one's rumoured is, is Tom Sestito. Do, 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 we, do we believe at this stage that we that, that Sheffield can get someone that is of a standard that will not only play the hockey that the fans expect, the fans demand, but will also continue the, the other areas of what the Steelers play and bringing players on can do. Do you reckon we can actually get someone at this late stage? I honestly don't know. I, I think the problem is the fans in the response to losing those games have set it up now. We've set the bar that we've got to bring in a coach to win. And, and that's not always the best thing for the club. People talk about the fact that um, we set the bar for what Tomo needed to achieve because we got rid of Jared Adams when he brought us a league title and you know, and then we brought in Tomo and Tomo brought us nothing last year and was kept on. Yes, that, you know, I, that opinion is completely valid, that point's completely valid, but then you look at what else Tomo's done, as Dave's already highlighted, and you think, you know, we brought the club on as a whole so much more than G. Yes, okay, maybe G brought us a, a league title in, in, his, in the season that he coached us, but... Do you know, if we're not going to develop players, if we're not going to start bringing the club forward to match the rest of the clubs in the league, then we're going to fall short. I mean, I'm not being funny, but Jonathan Phillips hasn't got that many more years left in him. We saw a bit of a fallout when we lost to, the, you know, Mark Thomas, when we lost Jason Hewitt. They were very much the, the three you know, that, that, that bonded the Steelers group. OK, yes, we've got Robert Dowd, we've got Davy Phillips. They ain't going to be able to play forever. And, you know, at the end of the day, we need to start looking at developing the next lot that are coming up. G wasn't bringing in players like Liam Kirk. If G if G had stayed on coach, Liam Kirk may not currently be signed to the Peterborough Peach, having been drafted for the, for the Arizona Coyotes. That's the bottom line. No, very much so. And uh, in, a, in a bit of a twist of fate, Matheson's first game as interim coach is against Glasgow Khan with... Fans' favourite from last year, um, Fitzgerald. Um, he could have done with a different opponent, really, couldn't he? As his first game at home. <laughs> yeah, possibly deep under at times, but um, <laughs> yeah, no. It's, I mean, it's, it's going to be a good game. It'll be nice. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, almost a clean slate. There's no real pressure on us when we play when we play Bray, uh, sorry, Glasgow per se. You know, you always have your pressure when you're playing. Um, the likes of Coventry, uh, Coventry, the likes of Cardiff. You always have the pressure when you play the likes of Nottingham. You had a bit of pressure, in fairness, when Tomo was coached when we were playing the likes of Coventry because there were people constantly saying, oh, he's got ties with Coventry, he's coached for them before, he's got financial interest in them, speculation a lot of the time. But there was that added pressure in there. Manchester, obviously, being close rivals. I don't really think there's a great deal of pressure on the team when we're playing teams like Glasgow. Yes, obviously, we always want to win, but maybe that extra added pressure of that kind of that proximity and that rivalry isn't so much there. So I think yes, obviously Fitzy's coming back, but I think on the whole, it's it's a good game for Matheson to start with. No, I think and we all, I say we all, I think we, you know, we wish him the best and uh, we hope the results turn around and it uh, gets the fan base harmonious in supporting the club. I think that would be the great hope for, for Sheffield. Now, if you've listened to this, guys, and, and you think we're wrong or you think we're harsh or you agree with us, let us know on social media. Our, our Facebook uh, page, My Fancy Zamboni Podcast, post your, your, your thoughts on there when we when we 
put the link for episode five if the gremlins aren't eating them. Or on our Twitter account, um, MF said uh, podcast. Please let us know. You know, sometimes shows on these type of shows are only as good as the content, and we've had some great content over the past two weeks. So we hope when we help do the next one, we have some more. And I, I've got a feeling, guys, that we're going to have a few comments about uh, the Thompson section, even stuff that we may not have mentioned. Um, so who knows? But um, we'll move on to the to Dops um, and, and Gref. We've had a, a few um, hearings from Dops. Do you want to give us the uh, the lowdown on that? Yeah, well, with our, well, we'll start with our own. With our Dane Byers, uh, a gamers came out for a third man in. He jumped, jumped into a fight with Eric Neela. Gave him a bit of a, a bit of a, a cut on his head, I will say. Because he came past us and he was bleeding from his, the top of his head. He jumped in just to pretty much defend his teammate, Harrison Rook. At the time, it was... It was something that was going to happen, you could tell. You had earlier Valdix getting a 2 plus 10 for checking to the head. And that should have... It itself should have been the right to be looked at by Dops. If it has, great. If it hasn't, there's not much I want to really say about that without a few swear words maybe in there. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the highlights of this, the incident as well. Yeah, I, I saw the highlights. I saw the hit from Valdix. And to be honest with you, I think whether or not it's been reviewed or not, I, I, it baffles me that it hasn't been given a match, at least a match ban. Um, I mean, yes, it's, it's one of the next ones that you'll talk about, but for me, it, it just had so many parallels with the hit from Tyler Biggs on Davy Phillips. Um, and yet, so different. I mean, uh, there's been no real thing from Dops to say whether or not they're reviewing 2 plus 10s as they did last year. Um, or sorry, to check it from behind and check it to the head penalties at least um, I, I'd like to think that they still are um, I think it's a bit of a step back if we're not but we're not announcing when, if it is the case that they are being reviewed, we're not announcing when those hits are you know, when, when they've looked at them and said no there's nothing wrong with that they're not announcing that, they're not saying they, they've not come out and said we've reviewed the hit from Andreas Valdix and, and the 2 plus 10 stands, we think that's all it needs um, so I think that's something that needs to be worked on. But I, as I say, regardless of whether it's been watched or not, I just can't see the logic behind giving not giving Valdix a penalty. Um, but then again, Byers, I could get the first thing, the first bit, no problem. Jumping in for his teammate, all for that, all down for that. Pummeling the guy when he's down on the ice, that was that was silly. And he, I, I think now he's probably watched that Dobbs video back to himself. He's probably watched the replay numerous times. I think Finity's probably shoved it down his throat by now as, as to what the hell were you doing. But I think he's probably going to have looked at that himself and gone, yeah, that that was silly. Shouldn't have done that. But you see Red sometimes, and, and that's obviously what he's done. Um, doesn't justify it, but it certainly explains as to why it's happened. Hey, uh, Granted, what do you think about this incident? Um, I, I think I think a game is, is probably realistic in terms of a suspension on top of being thrown out of that of that game itself. Uh, the third third man penalty is always difficult to kind of you know really um, hammer multiple games unless he's literally skated the width of the rink and cross check the guy in the neck, a.k.a. Scott Allison, 
start a bench clearance. Um, he's, he's he's come in. He's, he's kind of you know moved the play, moved everyone out of the way, and and did justice himself. It's not what they're meant to do. The rest of the referee's job, whether you agree what they're doing or not. So I think the game's I think it's fair enough. I think it's kind of okay. You defend your guy, but not that way. Have a rest. Sit down for a game. Um, and you know he'll come back. And the thing is, again, it'll be on his. It'll be a repeat offender should he do it again. So you know it won't be a one game next time. It'll be it'll be multiple games. So I've no issue with one game. Um, I think any more would have been a bit rough. Pardon the pun. <laughs> I, know, I certainly agree there. I mean, hopefully it doesn't follow the previous captain for star the the band <laughs> title. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope it doesn't. <laughs> the next one was for Panthers JM Wrestling. Received a one game suspension for an elbow. For me, when I looked at the highlights, it it looks silly. Your player had already just had just taken a shot. And he's just left his elbow out there to say, right, you took a shot, you're not getting past me without falling on the ice. It was pretty silly. I don't, I know you'd be there, Granny, so what would you think of that? Um, it, it was daft, it was stupid, it was reckless. Um, he, he took a shot and he scored, um, member says, right, and he's been laid out straight away in that whole process. There was no need. Um, the player could have gone out of the position, he could have moved away, but now he's finished the hit. So, do you know what? Tetsy, you, you've earned that, in fairness. He had ample opportunity. And I know this, excuse me, reading between certain um, Nottingham fans and saying you should always finish hits and, well, that's what you get for having a team that's not got the, the muscle power. That's no justification for finishing your hits on a guy that really weren't expecting it. The rules have changed, and unfortunately, how we look at it, the game's changed well. I mean, you look at to change leagues... Uh, the Wilson suspension um, for his hit and he's been going 20 games the way the game is played now I don't think actually that's enough years ago that would have been probably the top 10 hits Rock'em Stock'em style so the game's changed completely you can't just finish hits because well you're bored he's got a game you know it's it, it we're the worst hits but it was stupid it, it was a bit reckless yeah sit down and he already has done it in fairness the night after but just reflect on you know play play the game right that, that's a team that is play the game right and play the, the game well don't need to do that I say that I, I think it's more frustrating for him as well it's just like it's getting a, a minus on his plus minus sheet unfortunately uh, Joe I know you were away when this happened yeah what did, you, what did you see about it I mean, I saw it straight away. I'd, I'd been told by everybody that there were a few dodgy hits. Obviously, I was getting text from... I think I was getting text from three people, Dave included, from the Panthers game. I, I've got to admit, Dave probably slightly declined as the game went on, as the beers got sunk. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I was texted by a few people. Martinelli scores, and he goes down straight after. Um, and, uh, yeah... Straight away, I mean, I was looking for it. In fairness, they actually include, well, obviously they included it in the uh, the video highlights of the goals because it was when the goal was scored. So I got to see it pretty early. Um, I'd like to say there was no excuse. I mean, I, you know, if you're a D-man that plays hockey, you've been in the position where you've got a guy near you, he scored a goal, he's celebrating. The, the frustration comes out, maybe you give a little tap, maybe you give a little butt end. Nothing dirty, just a little bit of a, you know, 
go and celebrate, do it near me and you're going to get a punch. But for me, there's just no justification to elbow the guy under the chin. You know, it's not even like, oh, he's finished his hit. I mean, if you're elbowing a guy under the chin like that, whether it's whether it's full force, whether it's you're moving your elbow across, or whether it's just the movement into the into the chin, there's only one intent that you've got there, and that's to knock the guy out. Whether it happened or not, whether you used enough force, there's no other reason for me that you would hit a guy directly under the chin. You know, he could have hit his shoulder, he could have given him a slash, he could have done anything like that. No, he goes for the elbow directly to the chin. I just think that. For me, for that reason, I mean, one game I can see, I could have seen it going up to two, just for the intent behind it. Uh, I mean, the, yes, it was one movement. Yes, he didn't make a full move, but he could have easily moved out of the way. Obviously, it was blatantly obvious that Martinelli scored, and he thought, I'm giving you a bit for it. Um, but I, I'm not going to complain about one game. I think it's probably about right. As I say, I could have seen it up to two, but no, no more than that, really. Uh, it's pretty silly as well to do it pretty much right in front of the referee as well. Who did so he call seemed... it? Did he call it? Yeah. There was no call, was it? Or was there a call for it? I didn't think he... I don't, think, I, I don't recall, and I've checked this this game, but I don't recall him being hit, but in memory says right, the referees weren't in a position um, both because of where they yeah. were or following the play. The other referee was the other side of the net as he came in. Other like, side and at the other angle yeah. so that he's had people in front of him. Because so, it literally were... Puck goes in, elbow happens. It's very much probably half a second uh, difference between the two. So, and you know that's what supplementary is there for. I don't care what the, uh, the Panthers coach says. You know, if, if the referees miss it because of, of how the, the speed of the game goes, and yeah, maybe smart, maybe you know, maybe uh, jeering his fans on. But you know what? Tough luck if your players do something. Because I, I bet you a pound, guys, if someone does anything to the Panthers and the, the referees miss it, he'll not go. Do you know what? It was just the referees missed it. It's part of the game. He'll be first on the on the DVD saying, "Right, I want that sent into the league." They have been right. in the past. This is right. You know, don't. <sighs> he, he comes across as a good coach, and it's a bit of a rant, but I think he needs to pipe down. No, um, I agree. Get back, get back in your box, and when it happens to you, please do it. But just remember, you'll sound very hypocritical when you do. Sorry, Gref, it's kind of <laughs> a little bit of a rant there on that one. <laughs> Hold on, Gref, Gref, no, before, before you carry on, though, Gref, I'm just going to ask Dave a question. Did you just say, I bet you a pound? <laughs> if it was on the other foot, they'd do it. I bet a pound. It's one of them. It's, it's metaphorical speak, you know. It's, uh, I, I was going to say, they'll, setting they'll the stakes <laughs> high. Hey, I, the pound, I've got a pound in the, in the, the, the in my room. It's an old pound coin, but I've got a pound coin. I've got some dollars. That you can put in your bank account. <laughs> But you know that, that's the you know the point in the whole thing of uh, you know where the, the supplementary system is there because in fairness we mentioned already that the referees are starting the season very well yeah and they are going to miss a couple of things because they're only human but I think on the whole and even some of the guys that we thought last year oh god you know you hear the name oh god this could be a rough night they've done well fair play to them. the support's working and long may it continue Mike Hicks I think has has made some good changes as well I think the uh... The concussion protocol and things like that. I mean, I know a lot of people kind of gasped and kind of said, oh, why is he doing it? But he's proven himself so far. He's been approved in the pudding and he's doing well. Sorry, I agree with that. The next one was the two-game suspension for Tyler Biggs for checking to the head or neck area. From seeing the play itself, it was another silly move by Tyler. It was unsuspecting on the Steelers player. He's pretty much just gone for the head straight off. It's something you probably see in the NHL with 
certain players, but Rafi they're Torres. the ones that we're getting like <laughs> they're the ones getting like the twenty game suspensions if they repeat offenders. If, what was your guys' take on it? I asked Joel first. Yeah, I think you've you've basically summed up there the reason that it was bumped up to two games. It was it was unexpected. The, David Phillips was facing the completely the wrong way. Um, I think generally this year, Dops have been quite consistent with their calls. I've seen a couple of Panthers fans complaining, saying it's one rule for one, one rule for another, saying David Phillips got a match ban for the check to the head in the first Challenge Cup game of the season. And then a Panthers fan goes to check to the head and he... Sorry, a Panthers player goes for a check to the head and he gets two. Um, I think if you can't see the difference between the hits, you need to go to Specsavers, to be honest. I mean, Davy Phillips, the guy skating towards him. He comes at an angle, but you can clearly see the Panthers player skating forward. He's got his head down, breaks the number one rule of don't skate through the neutral zone with your head down. Um, and Phillips, yeah, reckless hit. All right, granted, he's, he's said on an interview that he closed his eyes and made the hit, but that's what happened. You then go to Tyler Biggs. He's come from the blind side. He's come from behind Phillips. Phillips is completely unaware that he's even there. He raises his body up to make the hit towards the head area when realistically to make a shoulder-to-shoulder hit, there was no reason to do that. Um, it, it was just gutless. I, I, I don't necessarily think there was a massive amount of intent to injure there. I just think it was a stupidly reckless hit. And I think, he, again, he, I think he's probably watching the video back and going, that was that was silly. But it, it, it happens in hockey. You've got a split second to make a decision. He sits his two games, you move on. It's, it's not a sport where you can hold grudges for games um, just for a hit like that. I mean, they're, they're, to, they're, they're to a penny now. It's, it's something that happens regularly in the game. You've just got to move on, sit your, sit your van and get on. No, I thought it was a dumb play. I'll be honest, it was dumb. Phillips has not even finished the shot. And the movement within the shot. And like Joe said, he's, he skated towards it. He then put his weight on the foot to make and lift the hit. So he's at, he's gone to go for the hit, which is fine. But he he could have he could have pulled out. Yes, finish hits, and you know there's nothing wrong in saying finish hits, but he, he could have pulled out that hit because Philip, like I said, Phillips wasn't even expected it because he's still making the shot. And to lift yourself in making the hit, and if you touch any of the neckhead area. You know, right for so it's a buzzword. Right for so it's an area where the game clamps on, and you've just got to sit your punishment. You know, we've seen hits, and there was a hit in the the Panthers Cardiff game at full pelt. Both players at it and clean precision. And I think one of the things you've got, like you said, Joe, is a split second, and you time it wrong by a hundredth of a second, and that's the difference between the crowd cheering for a great hit and two games. You know, they're the fine margins that they've got. So, I, I agree with you. Um, and I even thought at the time of the hit, it weren't intentional. It was, he, he, he intended to finish the hit, but not intended to injure. But he could have done it a lot better. It could have been a lot better for him. And, you know, as soon as you make a hit and it touches that, that neck head area, you, you, you're, sitting, you're sitting down and that's what's happened. And, yeah, I think, like, like Joe said, you know, it was blindside. Whereas Phillips... Hit weren't blindside. Bad, bit daft, but not blindside. This was blindside, and I think that's the key difference to it all. Yeah, I know. I agree with Buffy that it doesn't also look good for Tyler if he does it during this halfway during the season because he's going to have the repeat offender tag on him. That's the bad thing. That in fairness, a check to the head is. 
as you say, a split second can make a difference. A check to the head's an easy penalty to get if you if you make your timings wrong. Um, it's not like a third man in call. It's not like you know an elbow to the head call. It is what it is, and um, it's certainly going to be one that he's going to have to be very careful with now. Um, anyway, I don't think it's. I think we've done we've done dops to death. I think unless anybody's got anything else to add. Um, so I mean, the last item really on the agenda. We apologise. We appreciate that it's been very Steelers orientated at the moment, but obviously the newsreels, as Dave said earlier, are very orange at the moment. And hopefully, particularly from a Steelers fan's perspective, hopefully that dies down soon. Um, we hope to be talking to you about a lot more teams across the Elite League next week. Um, so yeah, apologies for that. So if you are a non-Steelers fan um, and you've been a bit fed up about hearing about Tamo all the time, we do apologise. Uh, but obviously it's just been a necessity with the news at the moment. And also give us your thoughts as well. You know, when we said earlier on about the thoughts and what we said about Tamo, it's not just for the Steelers fans, Panthers, Blaze, Devils fans. I know you've got a lot to, to say in that respect. Give us your thoughts. Absolutely. We will take everybody's thoughts. And like we said before, next week's show, we'll... we'll, we'll We'll read them out and we'll uh, we'll add it to the show. Yeah, absolutely. It's always nice to hear neutrals' perspectives. Obviously, being Steelers fans, you you things like your Facebook friends, your social media follows. Generally speaking, maybe a majority of your own fan base, and so maybe hearing fan, uh, you know opinions from people that you maybe don't have as many contacts with. Um, as Dave said, you know, stretching to Scotland teams, Dundee, Fife, um, all the way down to Guildford, you know, Cardiff. Give us your thoughts. Tell us what you think. Um, but as I say, anyway, moving on, uh, we've got the final item on the agenda. Um, you know, we've started with the previous games gone, so we'll just finish off, I think, with the games to come. Um, we'll start off with the league games. So what I'll do is I'll break them down into Friday, Saturday, Sunday games, and then I'll throw it over to Dave Greff and myself, obviously, just to give our opinions as to who we think is going to win that game. We'll try and keep it nice and brief. We appreciate we've been going on for a for a fair while now, but. Um, yeah, so obviously first start, we've got Friday the 5th of October. Um, it's a league game between the Belfast Giants and the Milton Keynes Lightning in Belfast. Uh, Dave, what are we expecting from that game? 4-1 Belfast, simple. Belfast will win. Gref? Yeah, I, I agree, a Belfast win, but I'll probably say we like 3-1. Yeah, I'm going to go with you, Gref. I, I've got 3-1 in my head for that one. I, I do think a Belfast win... Um, maybe a convincing win. I'd be expecting a, a well, hopefully, maybe a few goals for Patrick Dwyer. He's in my uh, fantasy team, but uh, yeah, no, I am expecting a three-one win for, for Belfast at least. I'd say. Um, moving then, sticking with the league and moving to Saturday, the sixth of October, we have got Guildford Flames versus the Dundee Stars in Guildford, um, a game where Manchester travel to Cardiff to play the Devils. Uh, Glasgow are down in Sheffield to play the Steelers. Nottingham Panthers host the Coventry Blaze. And then Belfast Giants host the Milton Keynes Lightning for round two of their doubleheader. Um, Gref, do you want to just give us your opinions on those games? Who are you, who are you expecting wins from on the Saturday? I'd love to say Storm will get some, a win or a point at least, but... Who knows? I, with the Cardiff home form, it's got to be Cardiff, unfortunately. It hurts me to say it, but yeah, my thoughts would be Cardiff 4-1. Okay. For the, for the Guildford game against Dundee, 
my thoughts are still going to be out. Guildford to win that. At least 2-1 after overtime. To the, over to the Belfast-Milton Keynes game, it's still going to be Belfast again. I still, I think this one will be, i say it'll still be around a 3-1 win for Belfast. The Nottingham Coventry game, which is going to be pretty interesting, I think, with Coventry's goalie. I think that will be a close one with Nottingham just edging it 4-3. So that would be it all the time as well. And then for the Sheffield Clan game, I'm going to say it be Sheffield. It pains me to say that. But yeah, I still think the Steelers are going to, after everything that's gone on, they're going to, come, they're going to give the fans something to actually cheer about. Yeah. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> Dave, what do you think? Um, I'll start, Sheffield. I think the the, the second game in, in of the weekend for Glasgow, um, as they play the night before, um, I think they'll take it still. I think Steelers will win 3-1. Having said that, I think Glasgow will beat the Five Flyers on the Friday night. Um, so, Steelers to beat the clan. Um, sorry, Graf, I think the Devils will do a number on you. I can't see anything else, unfortunately. I'd, I'd love to prove one, but Cardiff are on form. Um, and the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting at least five goals from um, from Cardiff. Uh, uh, who else was it? Guildford, Dundee. Guildford. Guildford 3-1. Uh, Panthers, Blaze. I'm going to go Panthers 3-1 again. Belfast, Milton Keynes. I'm going to go Belfast in overtime. I think Milton Keynes are going to get a point from this weekend, uh, or that weekend of games against the Giants. Um, uh, I'm going to go 3-2 to Belfast. Fair play. I'm going to go... I think Dundee will get the win on the road. I'll go against the grain. I think Dundee will get the win 3-2 against Guildford. Regulation win, I reckon, for that one. Uh, Cardiff, I think, will smash the storm 4-5-1. In their building. Sorry, Gref, but I can just see it happening. Um, Steelers, I think, I hope, will get the win against Glasgow. Um, I mean, I'd say Glasgow if I thought. I'm not just saying it because I'm a Steelers fan. But I do think, uh, you know, new circumstances. Westerling coming back, I think, is he going to be in that game? Um, yes. You know, Brooks having had some time to rest up after the travel. I, I think we'll see a good Steelers team come out there. I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get a good two or three goal win against the clan. I'm going to go 4-2. Um, Panthers, I think, will beat the Blaze 4-3 in overtime. Oh. And I think Milton Keynes will get the win against Belfast to take... to split oh. the wins on the road. I can see a 3-2 win in overtime for Milton Keynes. Hmm. Yeah, but now. This is true, this is true. Um, so then we move on to Sunday as I said we're going league first I'll skip back over to the Challenge Cup games after um, so Sunday the 7th of October we've got Dundee versus Guildford in Dundee so obviously the return fixture for them nice travel day for both of them back up to up to Dundee uh, we've then got Coventry Blaze hosting the Belfast Giants uh, Milton Keynes hosting the Nottingham Panthers Manchester are hosting the Glasgow Clan and then Fife host the Steelers. Dave, we'll go back over to you. Who are you thinking for these five games? Right, Dundee to win. 
4-2. Um, I'm going to go Coventry to win 4-3. Belfast third game in three nights. As much as they've been at home for two of them, it's, you know, they're still going to... It's not the most straightforward of travel days up to, uh, to Coventry. Um, that's not an excuse. You know, the logistics of it all, I think it just may put them out of sync. Coventry will get a good start and then they'll just hold on to it. I think that's how it's all going to pan out. Milton Keynes, uh, Panthers... I think Panthers will will do a job on this one again. Milton Keynes is the third game in three nights, and I think that will um, will also put them a kind as well. So I'm going five one for the Panthers. Storm Klein, I think the Storm will take full advantage of Glasgow's third game in three nights. Um, I'm going to say three one to the Storm. Five Sheffield. Do you know what? It's probably the the most ideal away game for Matheson into that bare pit of a rink. They'll be expecting to win. They'll think this is a great opportunity to, to put one over the old enemy. But I'm going to say 4-1 Sheffield. I think they can do it. I think they're, they're going to be good enough. They're going to show it this weekend. It's going to come good. I think I do believe it's going to come good. Well, yeah, let's hope so. Uh, <laughs> spoken from a Steelers fan's perspective, let's hope so. Um, Griff, same question. Those five games, who are we thinking are going to get the wins? What kind of score lines are we looking at? Yeah, I think Dundee are probably going to be Guildford. It'll be a close game, but I'm going to say it'll be 4 2, with the fourth being an empty netter. Coventry Belfast, Co- yeah, Belfast I'll say Coventry. I think Grant is a bang on there. Their third game in three nights. It's going to be the legs are going to tire out on them. So it'll be. Say 3-1 to Coventry. Milton Keynes not a good. It's going to be a Panthers win. I'd say it's probably going to be 5-1 to Panthers. For the Storm clan game, obviously I'm going to say Storm. It's, i say it'll be a 4-1 win. And with 5 for Sheffield. It's that'll be a tough one. I mean, I don't like both of the teams from a, a Starbucks fan perspective. But I'd say it'd be a, a Steelers win after all the time, three two. Yeah, sound. Uh, I'm gonna go in fairness, I, I I I can't disagree with anybody any of those. I'm gonna go Dundee to beat Guildford at home. Um I'm gonna go with a three one win for Dundee. Blaze Giants, I think Blaze will get a 4-2 win against Giants, third game on a, uh, third game in a row for Giants, obviously it's going to take its toll. Um, Milton Keynes, Nottingham, I can see Nottingham, yeah I agree, about a 4-5-1 scoreline. Expecting a couple of goals from Pither um, in that game, I think this is a good game where he can capitalise on 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 the uh, maybe the, the tired legs of the, of the MK team. Uh, Storm Clan, Agree again. Storm win. A couple of goals. I'd say three one. I'd probably agree with Dave on that. Um, Flyers Steelers. Maybe a bit hopeful based on current situations and circumstances, but I'm going to go with a three two overtime win for the Steelers. I think it's going to be a hard game. We've always seen those pesky Flyers. Um, you know I, that. That's how I see that one going now. Um, so we then skip over. 
to the Challenge Cup. We've only got the one game that weekend. Um, so logically, I could have included that on the Friday games, as as Gref will probably remind me. Um, so Friday, 5th of October, Challenge Cup. It's Glasgow versus Fife in Glasgow. Gref, what are we expecting from that game? I'm hoping for a, a Glasgow win. I'd say 2-1. I'd be happy with that scoreline. <laughs> yeah. Dave? Glasgow's homecoming game. I'm going to go 4-2 Glasgow. Fair play. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it always... It's a bit of a weird one on a Friday game, isn't it? It's, uh, you know, it's the first game of three that weekend. It's in Glasgow maybe not had the best start they got tonked by Cardiff the other day I can see him rallying back from that so yeah I'll go Glasgow I'll go 4-2 win for Glasgow um, and that wraps up the fixtures for this week for this weekend um, it's been a long one gents we've had a lot to talk about a lot of it being Steelers orientated uh, so again we do apologise for that but bear with us give us your opinions on everything Um if you do have any questions, obviously we like to put out on social media and ask people for questions. It's been a bit of a difficult one this time with the, with three recordings of episode five. Uh, we appreciate some of you may have asked questions and we do apologise if they've been, uh, if they slipped through the cracks. But uh, say three recordings down and it's uh, it's a little bit difficult to keep up to date. But we have given a bit of a double whammy podcast today. It's almost episode five and six rolled into one. Forget the pesky flyers, it's the pesky gremlins. The pesky gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, do carry on asking us the questions. Obviously, it's at MFZ Podcast on Twitter or it's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. Um, as Dave said last... Uh, well, I say as Dave said last week, I'm actually remembering back to the previous recording that we did of this episode now. But um, if you are on iTunes Podcasts, if you are on Spotify, um, and I believe there was one more as well, wasn't there, Dave? It was the, the latest thing from Google, Google Podcasts, so for the Android uh, devices... Yeah, so do give us a follow on those. You can listen to us on the road without having to mess around with the SoundCloud app or an Anchor app. Um, so we are on those platforms as well. Do give us a follow. Please carry on listening. Please carry on giving us feedback. Obviously, we are still early doors. We're only on episode five. Uh, but hopefully you've enjoyed the, the content so far. Um, but for the time being, um, thank you very much, Dave. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's, always, a, it's always a fun time uh, putting these uh, pods together. Yeah. And I hope everyone who listens from has the same enjoyment that we do. Yeah, thank you very much, Greth, particularly for the outside Steelers' uh, opinions on uh, on tonight's episode. Oh, thank you very much. Let's hope it's a, a good week for you guys, and no more, no more players leaving or coaches leaving. Yeah, to be honest with you, if we go around to uh, to episode six without saying something drastic's happened in Sheffield, I'll be happy. Even if we then say we've lost both games this weekend, if we can just say there's no extra news, there's nothing really screaming or kicking off in Sheffield, I'll be happy. Um, I think they will probably agree. Uh, but yeah, thank you, as I say. Um, thank you very much for me as well. Um, and yeah, please carry on listening to my fancy Zamboni. Thank you very much.